okay to cry out to God. We sang that just a moment ago and raise your voice and cry out. Sometimes we shout out, right? Sometimes we praise out. Sometimes we laugh out. But there's sometimes to God that we cry out. We've seen through the Psalms so far a variety of attitudes of the psalm writer, an attitude of praise at the splendor of creation. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. An attitude of soaking up the wisdom of God and telling it back to the people. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked or stands in the, sits in the seat of scoffers or stands in the way of sinners. We've seen uh, several attitudes. If you read the Psalms by yourself, you'll see this man, this writer, many times crying out to God and pleading to him for help in time of need. And so we come today to the 23rd Psalm, which in many ways is a response to that crying out. And this was probably penned uh, when David, uh, most likely the writer of this Psalm, when David was fleeing from his enemy Saul, the mighty king of Israel who had isolated David and targeted him and viciously attacked him and David was on the run and he was all alone. Now listen, if you want to be alone, get the king to make you his enemy. The powerful king, the vindictive king. No one's going to side with you, little guy, when the king is against you and so David is alone and he has cried out to God for help many times and in the midst of that he writes the 23rd Psalm probably the most famous uh, passage in the Old Testament it is to the Old Testament what John 3:16 is to the New Testament it's well known it's everywhere you'll see it printed in secular material you'll hear it at every funeral no matter what uh, Psalm 23 is a powerful passage of Scripture. So we're going to look at this today. This psalm about our shepherd. This is the one who drew near to us. Let's read this together. And as we do, uh, listen to the words of God here. Verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. We talked last week about that word Lord. It's in all capital letters in your Bible. That is the proper eternal name of God this is the uh, the essential uh, name of power uh, this is the no-nonsense name of God and there are times we need to call on the Lord we need to call on the I am a Yahweh God we need a God of power and David calls out to him and says who is who is my shepherd yes it's the Lord Yahweh is my shepherd I shall not want he makes me lie down in green pastures. That doesn't mean he like smacks him down into the pastures, right? It kind of sounds like that. He makes me. Uh, he makes the pastures uh, where you can lie down in them. I mean, he, he, he leads you there. He knows where they're at, right? You can't do it unless, he, he, unless the shepherd takes you to where they're at. He has the knowledge of that. And while you're laying down restfully in the the high grass where you can't see threats coming around, guess what the shepherd sees? The shepherd is there with his staff and his rod, and he sees the threats, and when nightfall comes and 
you don't have a plan yet, you're not sure where you're going, guess who knows? The shepherd knows. No, he doesn't make you lie down in the green pastures, but what he does is he makes it where you can lie down in those pastures. He's got your back. He's the one handling things while you are able to rest. It's incredible that you're able to rest. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. Verse 3, he restores my soul. You ever need your soul restored? Well, God does that, doesn't he? Now, for a sheep, the green pastures are good. For a sheep, the still waters are fine. But for you and me, our soul needs revived and restored. We need renewal. If you're in here today and you say, Matthew, I've, I don't identify with this at all. I've never been down. I've never suffered in my faith. My heart's never been weak. Questioning has never been on my lips. Then uh, I've never come across someone like that. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness or right paths. Why does he do it? For his name's sake. Is that to say he doesn't love you? It's not because he cares? No, it's not. But, but there's also a higher background to this. He does it for his name's sake. Aren't you glad of that this morning? Aren't you glad it doesn't depend on you and your worthiness? Aren't you glad it, uh, he just doesn't love you when you're lovable? But Yahweh is your shepherd and Yahweh acts on your behalf for his name's sake. It's a miracle. This is a miracle. We ought, to get, we ought never to get used to this that God does this. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. I'm getting pursued by the king of Israel. He wants to kill me, Lord. Where should I go? What should I do? How? He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He's got this. Verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Now listen. It started out pretty nice, didn't it? Green pastures and still waters and restoring the soul and paths of righteousness. The Lord, Yahweh is my shepherd. But what about if the corner turns? Uh, what about if darkness grows? Even so, the Bible says here, you might even say, uh, uh, but even if, but even if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Verse 5, you prepare a table before me. In the presence of my enemy, you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There are blessings to walking with the shepherd. Especially when the shepherd is the God of Israel, the God of the ages. It matters who your shepherd is. And there are three blessings from this shepherd this morning. The first is this. We see here the shepherd's identity is a blessing and a gift to those who walk with him. See, the focus of the opening verse here is not on the word shepherd. It's not on the word my, although those are, those are valid things. He's, a per, he's my shepherd. He's a personal shepherd. Uh, the focus is not on the word shepherd. It, it's not on necessarily um, the function here. It's on the identity of who the shepherd is. It matters who your shepherd is. It matters who your accountant is, doesn't it? You ever got an audit in the mail? 
It matters who your lawyer is. It matters who your doctor is, doesn't it? And let, let me, let me, I want you to believe this. It matters who your shepherd is. And David here is, 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 is almost bragging, guess who my shepherd is? Why am I able to write this right now? When, I'm being, when, when, when everything's, I'm, because Yahweh himself is my shepherd. We have a man in the church named Philip Lamb. Anybody know Philip? He's gigantic. Um, not in the bad way, uh, but in the good way. He's tall and, uh, you know, the, the jaw of fear, you know, just, he just looks at you and uh, he usually sits right over here. That's why the church, is he here right now? Okay, I thought you were pointing. That's why the church leans this direction uh, because Philip usually sits over here. Big old guy, a fearsome looking. He never smiles. Now, he's a nice guy, but he will not smile. You look at his wedding pictures, he looks miserable. Uh, you look at any picture of first firstborn child, they're uh, miserable. I mean, he's, a, he's a fearsome dude. He has a little baby uh, down in the uh, nursery, Tyler Thomas. And Tyler Thomas was down there one day. I was visiting with the kids, and they ran out of uh, goldfish. And Tyler Thomas was unhappy about this. He started to whimper and get unhappy, and I thought, I'm getting out of here, right? You know why? Because I know who his dad is. I don't want to be there when dad comes to, to check on Tyler Thomas and he's what? Boo-hoo because there's no goldfish. It matters who your dad is. And listen here, it matters who God is. Who do you want coming to your aid when you're in need? Some lesser shepherd? No. The God of Israel is on your side. He knows how to revive, how to restore how to refresh you. He leads you beside the still waters. He knows how to lead you into those green pastures. And while you're there, supernaturally able to rest in those green pastures, he is preparing a plan for you. He is shepherding you. The shepherd's identity matters. And I want to ask you this morning, who is your shepherd today? Seriously, for just a minute. As you came in here and sat down, here you are. Who is your shepherd you might say, well, Matthew, I'm, I've known the Lord for a long time. And clearly, the, clearly, the Lord is my shepherd. But let me ask you, Christian, friend, brother, sister, who really are you trusting in? Let's, let's reverse engineer this for just a moment and, and take a look. Uh, do you find that your life is characterized by lying down in green pastures? Or is it chaos and turmoil and anxiety is it frustration and injustice and or is it is it green pastures do you find that there's ever a part of your life a a, a place where you go or a, a daily path that you take that that brings the still waters to your soul or is it just like everybody else in this world do you find that you are led in paths of righteousness and that it has to do something with the, the namesake of giving glory to God. If we reverse it a little bit, we find out whether or not the Lord is our shepherd. Maybe you're here this morning and you, just, you didn't know it, you didn't think about it, it wasn't on purpose, but you find that your life must be leaning on some other shepherd this morning because these things provided by the good and eternal shepherd are not a part of your experience. Wouldn't you turn to God this morning? 
You may be grazing in another shepherd's pasture, didn't know it. I hope you know this morning that in whatever life brings to you, you can have the confidence and peace of the good shepherd, of the eternal God. The shepherd's identity, it matters. But secondly, the shepherd's ability. The shepherd's ability is a blessing of walking with the good shepherd. Something changes here in verse 4. What changes? All of a sudden, we go from light to darkness. The setting grows dark, and there's this uh, phrase, the valley of the shadow of death. That's just a way of, of saying how bad it is, of how deep the darkness is, uh, how inescapable the feeling is, how there seems to be no way out. Uh, it's a deep place of utter darkness. I want you to know this one. This does not undermine the shepherd's presence and work. In fact, it even emphasizes it. Nathan, where's Nathan? Are you still, Nathan, I want you to know this morning that if life grows dark and circumstances come and you find yourself in hard times, that does not mean that this was not real. You know what I mean? When we face hard times, when we come to the valley of the shadow of death, the psalmist could have said, I don't understand. I thought of the green pastures and the still waters and the paths of righteousness. Something's broken. I, I placed my trust in the wrong place. But he doesn't say that. He says, even if, even if I go walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he leads me through paths of righteousness. But even if I find myself in the valley of the shadow of death, guess what? God's still my shepherd. He's still there. He's still real. He's still actual. It was still valid. He still saved me. He is still enough. The setting gets dark here. That's one change. But here's another change. The shepherd grows close. Notice what happens here. This is one of the, uh, the miracles of God's word. And we don't maybe get it first, but the, the pronouns change. In the pleasant times, who's doing the action? He is. He leads me. He's the one who brings me here. He does this. But in the dark times, who's doing it? You. God, it's you. The shepherd has gone from being somewhere else or being at arm's length or maybe leading the whole flock of the sheep. You say, well, look, he's the one that does it. And in the dark times, he draws near to us. He comes into the darkness with us. I was talking with someone last night on the phone about a loss in their life. And sometimes I say stupid things, y'all. Many of you know this. Um, and I'll do it again. But in that conversation, I asked what I thought, thought was a dumb question about the family property. The family property has been there for, you know, for generations. I, I said, well, what about the family property? Uh, such a dumb thing to ask. Uh, but the person I was talking to, Buddy, I think you're, I'm okay to say that. Buddy, said, here's what you said, Buddy. You said, God knows what's going to happen with that property. You know, I felt like a little kid uh, for just a minute. He said, God knows what's going to happen with that. In the shadow of death, right? In the, in the midst of a sudden, abrupt, unexpected loss. When question marks are everywhere. So what's going to happen with that property? Guess who's still in control? God. And in fact, a very personal notion of God. 
We go from he to you. Here in the church, sometimes we're here late at night, turn the lights off, we're doing other things, the kids help me, we'll go through the church together. And There are seven light switches right out here that control all the lights in this uh, whole building. Uh, grandparents, hold on to your grandkids uh, for the rest of the service. Uh, they might go find those. But uh, anyway, um, there's seven switches that do that. And sometimes I'll say, hey, Livia, Reese, Jackson, will you go turn off those seven switches? They'll go turn them off. And while they're doing that, I'm hiding in a classroom, one of your life group rooms. I'm either like crouched on the floor in the read class back here, or uh, sometimes I'll get up on a chair, you know, and wait for them like this. And Sometimes I just stand in the doorway and just freeze and look. You ever, walk, you ever been walking somewhere and all of a sudden you realize, boom, someone's there? That's just one of the scariest. I just stand there and wait to scare them. And they're used to this, and I'm an awful person, but they, they, uh, they're used to this. And as soon as they shut the lights off, they realize, oh. And here's what they say. Dad? And what is it, Reese? It's quiet, isn't it? Because Dad's hiding. When things go dark, well, we want to know where Dad is, don't we? Hopefully not because he's trying to scare the living daylights out of you. But it makes a difference. I hear that little voice calling out, and sometimes it, it really tenderizes me toward I, I, the lights go out, and all of a sudden they realize they're in a fearsome situation, and they, with a little voice, they call it and say, Dad? Listen, here in the dark places, it's not that the shepherd has left us. It's not that the shepherd is against us. It's that the, she the shepherd is right there closer than ever. When we call out to him, Lord, even if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for he is, no, for you, God, are with me in the shadow, the valley of the shadow of death. It is your rod and your staff. They bring me comfort. How do they bring me comfort? Because what we can't see, he can see, and he is able to defend us against that which frightens us in the dark shadow. The shepherd knows the threats we face because he's walking right with us when it's dark. In fact, friends, Jesus himself has walked this very valley. Don't ever miss that. Don't ever miss that we have a God who himself has come and walked this dirt and understands what you're facing, has lost friends and been betrayed, even has given his own life at the hands of evil men. Chaos, injustice, all that we talked about earlier, he's walked there and now he walks with you. When darkness envelops your path, it is so easy and natural to fixate on the shadows, but friend, you look to the shepherd. He's right there, and he is ready to face what frightens you. But lastly, the blessings of walking with the shepherd, we see the shepherd's prosperity. Apparently, the shepherd has a lot of food and stuff to drink and abundant supplies because he prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies, an unusual place to set down for a big meal. I mean, the enemy's bearing down on you. I mean, what, what, you're facing a foe, and, and, and it's something you can't uh, surmount. And 
Uh, you should be stressed and you should be crumbling. But all of a sudden, God says, hey, in the presence of you, in the, pre in the midst of all this, you get to do something unusual. You sit down at this table. He's a God of abundance here. Look at the table. It's in the presence of the enemies. At the table, the Lord, you anoint my head with oil. You're an honored guest at this table. Uh, now, I know that the oil may have kept away flies and it may have uh, covered up odors, and, but really it was, a, it was a, uh, an action of honor, to honor somebody. You, you, sit at my, you sit at the table here. I'm going to anoint your head with oil. You're special to me. You're not just somebody. You're mine. You're my sheep. I'm your shepherd. He does that. His cup overflows. The, the cup never runs out. It's as if somebody's coming all the time, just pouring it over and overflowing. And he's, it all happens in the presence of your, your enemies. Just think how stymied they are as they look on and they see this. How is he sitting there eating like that? How is he blessed in abundance like that? Why isn't he freaking out about what's happening in the world, in his world right now? About what he's losing? About the relationships that's, that's breaking apart? About the uncertainty of the job? 16 people got laid off this week at our own Georgia Baptist Mission Board. Why, why isn't he freaking out? I mean, this is bad. They look upon God's man and God's woman, and there he sits at a table. Cup never empty, overflowing, head anointed with oil, honored guest. The Lord is there with goodness and mercy, pursuing you. Promises of dwelling with him forever. The Lord doesn't underwhelm, does he? We were at Sam's Club the other day, me and the kids, and we love Sam. I love Sam's, and by default, they love it too. They go with me. They have a machine at Sam's that you can get like a prize out of, um, a free sample. It's like the, the free sample ladies. You know them? Uh, the free sample ladies, but they're replacing them with ro robot machines. And so uh, what we knew was going to happen, right? Uh, there's a, there's a, a machine there. You go over, and it will, it will give you something. If you, um, if you do some things. And so I took my card out and scanned it under the scanner. Okay. Boop. It knows who I am. And it said, enter your email. So I enter my email. I gave it. I gave it my email. And um, I know they're going to sell that to everybody in the world. Right? I'm going to get calls from Pakistan forever. Uh, and so uh, they're going to sell that email. I thought, well, it's worth it for the sample. I mean, it's worth it for what I'm going to get in return because... On the screen, it showed like 12 Tootsie, little Tootsie Rolls. And they weren't just the chocolate ones, they were the multi-flavor. You know those? You can't find those anywhere, you know? I thought, hey, okay, okay. I scan my card, I give them my email, it's worth the cost to get these, to these 12 Tootsie Rolls. And then it said, oh, now you have to watch a video. So we watched the video, a promotion, an advertisement. Uh, and we satisfied all the requirements, and the machine started, you know, grinding, and out came one chocolate Tootsie Roll. <laughs> that was it. That's, that ought to be a crime, y'all. Uh, one chocolate Tootsie Roll came out. False advertising. I just took the Tootsie Roll, and kids wanted it, but I ate it, and uh, we just, <laughs> just kept going. We live in a world that underwhelms. 
You go to the car lot, big promises at the dealership, not fulfilled, right? You go to the altar and, you know, big vows made, not kept. Uh, the life underwhelms us. And when it comes to the Lord here, he does the opposite. This is our shepherd. This is what the shepherd does. In the midst of our enemies, in an unusual place, the shepherd showers crazy blessings that even to us ought not to make sense. How do I have this peace? How do I have this comfort? Why this assurance in my life? Onlookers, the demons in hell ought to look at our lives and say, how is this happening? How are our efforts being thwarted? Why is the peace of God in their lives? It's because we have an abundant God, you guys. He is abundant and bountiful, and he blesses those who he leads. This is often called the funeral psalm. The funeral psalm, you know why. It's there in most funerals, and I think there's a good reason for that. When God's people face adversity, he nourishes us with unaccountable abundance. And when we face death, that is our fiercest enemy. What adversity is there higher than death? And as we sit there in times of loss, in a church, in a funeral setting, at a home, wherever you, wherever you go, there we are. Our enemies are at the door. Death seems to have us whipped. People look on and say, but God's people appear to be feasting. Not that we're not sad. Not that we're not somber, but there's something about the presence of the shepherd in those times. First Corinthians says this, death is swallowed up in victory. I love that language. Death is swallowed up in what? In victory. There they sit at the funeral home, victorious. There they go after to the, to a meal together, and guess what? They're not totally just corrupted and broken by the sorrow. There's a victory in those Christians, it, it, it begs an explanation why. And the reason is we have a shepherd who is in charge of eternally over these matters of life and death. In the Lord, we have a shepherd who is able to provide for us, to care for us, to uphold us, even in the deepest difficulty, in the darkest places, in the circumstances of life, when nothing else could sustain us guess who can the lord can the lord is my shepherd and when he's your shepherd for his name's sake you shall not want we were trimming some trails back in these woods for the fall fair last fall and i had my little battery powered ryobi chainsaw 14 inch bar it's very sad uh it takes a battery, and um, I had it back there trying to clear some stuff and had my little lawnmower, and I couldn't get through, and so I called Ralph Mills on the phone. I said, Ralph, will you come up and help him? He said, well, what is it? I said, well, I'm out here with my little Ryobi chainsaw with a Ryobi power pack, and Ralph said seven words that I'll never forget, Ralph. Where are you? I'm trying to look right there. Seven words I'll never forget. You said, 
I don't even know what that is. He said, I'll be right there, though. Ralph came down here riding on top of some machine. And he just scooped up all the brush and threw it over. He got out with a big orange chainsaw. If it's going to be if it's legit, it's orange. You know that, right? He pulled out the orange chainsaw that could cut a car in two, and he went down the woods with me and, and just got it done. When I heard those words, I was, one, humiliated. I don't even know. My tools, Ralph doesn't even know what they are, you know. Uh, he's operating at such a, another level. And at the same time, I was thankful. You know, somebody's coming who's got the goods uh, to get this done. And I want you to know today that that's our shepherd. It's, uh, we're operating with tools uh, we don't, uh, th that are f totally foreign to him. We have a shepherd whose capacity to care for us is on a scale we can't even imagine. We might as well throw down the stuff we're working with. He don't even know what that stuff is. He comes riding on the clouds, my friends. He, he comes to rescue and to sustain. Here's how he do, does it. He operates on a level of compassion and concern, of power and predominance, of wisdom and of watchfulness over your life, of ability and of abundance that can be found in God alone. Sometimes he says to us in the darkest places, listen, I'm on my way. Why would you settle for anything less this morning? If you've never trusted Christ as Savior, why would you be piddling around with the mechanisms of, 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 these, of this broken flesh trying to navigate through life when there's a shepherd calling? He, say, he says, it's Yahweh. It's the eternal God, and I'm here for you. Place your faith in Jesus this morning. We'll, we'll stand with you. We'll show you how to do that. We won't embarrass you. We'll walk with you through that. But maybe you're here today, and maybe there are many of you here today, many of us here today. Yes, you, you've, you've known Jesus for a long time, but you've been working with your own instruments. It's been a long time since you feasted at a table like this. You've forgotten. You've gotten dragged down. You've been pulled into life. You've gotten into routine of doing it on your own. There's no still waters. There's no green pastures. There's no paths of righteousness. It's just you. It's time to turn back to God. God did not give his life on the cross so that we could live powerless in this world. He came as a shepherd to call you his own. Why would you settle for anything less than that? It's time to turn back today. Let me pray for us. Just a moment, I'd like to offer you a time of response. <clears throat> it's just a moment when the floor is open up here for you to move toward God and maybe say a word to Him. Maybe you need to come today and confess your sins, repent of them, ask Christ for salvation like uh, we saw in the baptismal pool this morning. Maybe the things you're living for, you need to die to those. They're not working. You need to die to those. Let Christ raise you in newness of life. The Bible says, if, any, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone. He's gone. 
Behold, all things are new. If you've never placed your faith in Jesus, then you are not walking in newness this morning. Maybe this morning, friend, you need to come as a Christian and just confess to him and plead with him that you're not walking in any sort of victory or any sort of provision. You're not feasting at this table. In fact, day by day and night by night, it just seems to get worse, more boring, more mundane, more hopeless. You need to turn back to the one who created you and who saved your soul. Let him shepherd you this morning. Maybe you come today for church membership or for baptism or for some other decision or question that I haven't mentioned. The floor is open for you. Maybe you pray right there between you and your God. Lord, thank you for the word of God. Thank you for trusting it to us. We know that we are not equal to these matters, but praise God, Jesus, when we cannot come near to you, you came near to us. Thank you. Help us to know you better as the shepherd you want to be for each one today. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing, and as we do, I invite you to...